Good morning. Welcome to Rural Queensland today. Wherever you're listening across the Resonate Network on 4ZR out of Roma, 4SB out of Kingaroy, 4LM out of Mount Isa, 4LG out of Longridge, 4VL out of Charleville, 4HI out of Emerald, 4GC out of Charters Towers, or on the Hot Country Network. Yes, I'm not Ben Dobbin. Unfortunately, he'll be away today, uh, not feeling the best, but he should be back tomorrow. My name is Nick, and today we'll be bringing you the best of rural Queensland today. Welcome back to Rural Queensland Today on the Resonate Broadcast Network across Rural Queensland Today. Very good morning. This lady I've known for a very, very long time and it's a great pleasure as she is the chairperson of Remote Australians Matter and isn't that true? Annabelle Braley joins us this morning. Good morning, Annabelle. How are you? Great to talk to you. Morning, Ben. Lovely to talk to you too. Now, the group uh, Remote Australian Matters, the name alone is awesome, but it is a group that aims to promote the formation of new place-based models for primary health care that are innovative, uh, equitable and appropriate, well-funded, sustainable for Remote Australia. There's no two ways about it. Our regional health systems and remote uh, health systems have a lot to be desired. The, the want is there, but the action by a lot of governments, and not just this one, has been for many, many years unsustainable. It just hasn't been um, viable. And the unfortunate situation is if you live rural or regionally, you're disadvantaged and that has to change. That's exactly right. Um, it, it, it's in the context... In the, can I, sorry, can I just jump in and say in the context of rural health, it absolutely does because remote gets a bit lost in... You know, there's 3% of Australians live in the 70 to 80% that is remote and very remote. And in that whole rural regional context that you were talking about, remote gets a bit lost and we want to change that. So Remote Australia Matters is ho- holding a conference, is staging a conference in Charleville um, on the 27th of September. And the conference will bring together people who live in remote Australia and the advocates who support them, the politicians, the advisors to make decisions to impact remote lives. Now, this conference is going to have some real, you know, ammunition there. Senator Susan McDonald, who's a huge part of our show, she will be there um, and she'll be a part of this. What, what do you hope to come and get out of it? Well, first and foremost, to focus attention on remote Australia, I said the 3% in the, in the well, less than 3% who live in 70 to 80% of the country. Um, we focus attention on that area. And we, this is a community-driven event. Uh, the five directors of, the, of RAM Limited are all community people who either live in remote or have very strong links to remote. And... We want to encourage community to get involved in the conversations and the decision and making and the development of primary health care options that are actually appropriate to their needs. And that's different things to different people, as you know, Ben. What works in Mika Farah is not going to necessarily work in Elliot or Marla or even in Corpy, you know. So uh, we want people to get involved and and actually you know, take some responsibility for the outcomes. Yeah, um, and the, the thing about it is that responsibility of the outcomes have to come from within it, and we all have an understanding of it. But I don't think the politicians truly have an understanding of it. And when you have these kind of um, 
conferences, you shed a light on some of the situations that's going on. Now, you yourself live in Mormon. You, Annabelle, you know full well just the, the trials and tribulations. And, and Morven, you know, I wouldn't say is completely remote. Do you know what I mean? It, it, you know, like it is obviously very much regional Queensland, but, you know, you're you're a few hours to a, to an airport, but your health system's absolutely buggered. You, you know, the, the, it, it just, it, it cannot continue to go on like this anymore. Like it, it just... Yeah, especially when we want people to move to the regions, when we want people to remove to move to remote and regional Australia. So, off the back of getting these recommendations, off the back of then being able to go to a government and say, "Hey, listen, this is what we're finding out," they're going to pony up. They have to pony up. They have to come up with some funding. Well, I think the thing is, yeah, that's right, Ben. And because there is, here's a fact: there is no minimum standard of primary health care available in remote Australia. And that means that if all of that money, just recently, the National Rural Health Alliance um, commissioned a report that uh, um, resulted in them finding that there's a $6.5 billion shortfall in rural and rural health funding. Uh, now, quite a lot of that, obviously, is a shortfall in remote Australia as well. And if all that money came into remote and very remote, and we, as you said, Morven is actually, while it's technically very remote, according to the modified Monash model, which is a, a scale um, the Department of Health and Aged Care uses in certain contexts, and uh, it classifies where people are between metro and very remote, so while Morven is very remote, technically, you're right. You know, we're, we're eight hours from Brisbane. Uh, in, a, in a whole lot of ways, we're, we're certainly not as remote as, as people who live in the Northern Territory, Western Australia, South Australia, parts of, you know, further west in Queensland, New South Wales, et cetera, including in far eastern Victoria and Mania. There's some very remote areas in all those states. And... The health system in general is in crisis. Yeah. What we want to do is change the primary health care approach in remote Australia because what we do know is that any any outcome that w- that works in remote Australia will translate into any more populated area because you know they can just throw people and money at it. It doesn't work the other way. And there are some really successful models in uh, remote Australia, definitely. And a couple of those are going to be presenting at this conference. So we're just delighted that Senator Susan McDonnell is coming. Um, we're, we're, we're sorry that some of the other politicians we've invited have, have uh, chosen um, to be elsewhere. But we think that this is the start of, of change. And we want everybody who lives in remote and very remote Australia to get on board with us and all of those people who are supportive of what we're trying to do because what we do, as I said, will translate into more populated areas. Yeah, you're dead right. You're dead right. And that's exactly what we want to see. So Tuesday, the 26th of September, location Charleville RSL. Registration's open from 4 to 5.30. Uh, then there'll be dinner. Then Wednesday, the 27th of September at the Warragoo Room Raceview Complex, uh, Partridge Street, Charleville. And registration's open then. So how do people, who can attend this? Um, and who are you looking for to attend? Well, we're certainly looking for 
uh, remote community people to attend. Yep. And um, registrations are, are actually open now. We'd like people to go to the Remote Australian Matters. So Remote Australians Matter, careful spelling there, Remote Australians Matter site and register if, if they live in remote or, you know, they have an interest in remote for whatever reason, then they're welcome at this conference. Um, yeah, I agree 100%. I, I, look, all that, um, you know, I think people should register. I think people need to be there. I think that, Annabelle, this is something that is so important and we're giving everybody enough time now. It's all still a month away, a bit over a month away. Uh, the Remote Australian Matters, what a, a fan, fantastic organisation that you're a part of. Um, I, I just think that this is – we need more of people who are remote who are living and breathing this day in, day out. That's the big thing. So thank you so much um, for being with us this morning. We will promote this as much as we possibly can. The National Rural Health Commission, um, Professor Ruth Stewart will be there. Uh, this is the Remote Australian Matters Conference in Charleville, Wednesday the 27th of September. Uh, welcome dinner on the Tuesday night. Senator Susan McDonald will be a big part, and this is all about... Um, promoting the formation of a new place-based models for primary healthcare um, within remote Australia by encouraging assisting community members to actively participate in the design and development. And gee whiz, that is so important. Annabel Braley, great to chat. Uh, thank you so much for being with us on this Thursday morning. Lovely to catch up. Thanks, Ben. Thank you for your interest. Good on you. We'll take a break. We'll promote that as well. Rural Queensland today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. Welcome back to Rural Queensland today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. Really important chat. Uh, Drought Angels CEO and founder Tash Johnson joins us this morning. Hello, Tash. How are you? I'm good, Ben. Thanks for having me again. Oh, great to have you on board. I haven't spoken to you for ages. On the 25th of August, the humble Flano will be making a comeback as thousands of Australians, from school children to actors, entertainers, and corporate executives, swap uniforms and suits for the nation's favourite checkered shirt. Now, I love this. Now, this is a great initiative um, that has happened. The flannel for a farmer is the brainchild of the Drought Angels and it will provide financial and emotional assistance. I mean, we're dry again, would you believe it? We, we, you know, it's only been two years and as night turns to day, we're dry again and this is a way that we can really help support. Yeah, Ben, absolutely. We're um, we are so excited to launch our, our first Flano for a Farmer campaign. We have um, it's actually the brainchild of one of our farmers, believe it or not. So um, thanks to one of the farmers that we assisted, he came up with this idea. Yep. And I think it it really resonates with everybody. Um, you know, everybody loves a Flano this time of year to keep warm, so we can help you know show some gratitude and warmth to our farmers by putting on our Flanos and um, showing them some love and support. The numbers are, are harrowing, um, and and I've got to talk about this. One primary producer commits suicide every ten days, and it's not acceptable. Now, by, by raising a few dollars, wearing your finest flannel on August the twenty fifth, and this is throughout regional Queensland. It's going to happen in the metropolitan areas as well. It's going to be something of an absolute <clears throat> um, game changer because of the money that we can raise you know, is something substantial. Now, you guys work day and night to try and make this happen. 
how do we support it and how do you register and, and what's the way to, to then donate and get money? Yeah, Ben, it is really important. Um, you know, the, uh, Drought Angel started off the back of, of a farmer's suicide and you know, my goal and aim has always been to save lives and remind our farmers how important and precious they are to each and every one of us. And there is always someone to turn to, and that's what Dread Angels is here for, for our farmers to turn to, you know, in their time of need. So you can register for far- Flano for a Farmer by heading to flanoforafarmer.com.au. Uh, you can register as an individual or as a, a business, as a team. You can hold, you know, it could be a morning tea in the workplace. It could be guessing the lollies in the jar. Um you can hold a morning tea at home. Whatever you you know want to do or need to do to help raise money for our farmers, you can get people to sponsor you to wear the flannel. There's so many different ideas. People are having a garage sale, and the the sky's the limit with ideas. But it's, it's all around you know putting on the flannel, raising some funds for our farmers, and and having fun and remembering and appreciating the work that our farmers do to put the food on our table. Yeah, such a great call. Um, and you're right. Talk to me about um just drought angels and this is on the flannel for the farmers on the 25th of august 2023 and you can go on their website but how hard has it been tash i mean seriously this just continues to 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 happen you know the drought families in need and it never stops sorry excuse me ben um no no it doesn't um you know i think I'm at a black hole at the moment and we you know we're doing some work out here on farms around the black hole area and talking to our farmers. There is always sort of a challenge, but they never want to be seen as complaining or anything like that. It's just sometimes it's just that hand up and reminder to them that they aren't alone, they are valued and, you know, how important they are to to everybody. And, you know, I think for us it's just being there and reminding them that and keep reminding them so that they don't forget, you know, in a time of darkness, hopefully drangers can walk alongside them and, you know, help them come out the other side to the light and get them through those difficult times. Um, what can we do? It's not just a flannel for a farmer. It's, it's everybody listening because if, if one of us is in a bad way, we want to help. How do people go about it? And you guys have been absolutely iconic in in the direction you've gone with it but what can we do i think as you know people every day i think when you when you go to the grocery shop you know make sure you're buying australian always buy the australian produce over anything else because that's supporting our farmers making those conscious decisions go to the farmers markets if you live in the city and support the local farmers who are who are growing in your area or have come to your area with their produce you know, they're directly getting those funds. There's no third party involved. Yep. Um, so there is lots of different ways, but always support Australian wherever you can. Yeah, I think that's the biggest thing. Um, a lot of people will obviously be be very much involved in in what is going to take place, and 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 obviously there's going to be some really big big companies come out with Flano for a farmer. When the money, the big thing about you guys, the money goes straight back in. It's not like you guys are taking, and a lot of other charities, and I, I say this with the deepest respect, there's always a question mark. Um, with you guys, it's completely different. It, it, it's everything you earn goes back in. Yeah, everything goes towards, you know, helping our farmers. We, you know, we have operational costs like every yeah, business. Sure. But, you know, we, we are very conscious and, um, you know, make sure that, everything we can possibly get to our farmers goes to our farmers. 
it all goes there, whether it's direct or indirect. Um, it's all about, you know, supporting our team and our staff and um, our farmers all at the same time. You know, we have our staff who are our angels on the phone or our angels on the road who are out there visiting our farmers. And we are just really conscious of, you know, making that effort to, that your dollar is going where it is, and that's to support our farmers. And, um yeah, yeah I great flag. I'm so passionate about that. Great flag. Um, Flano, Flano for Farmers uh, is on the 25th of August and it is a day that will thank and help uh, and keep food on the tables for people who keep food on ours. It's a very, very big flag. Really appreciate your time. As usual, Drought Angels, uh, Tash Johnson, thank you so much for being with us this morning on Rural Queensland today. Really appreciate it. Thank you for having me again, Ben. And, yeah, I hope everyone has a happy Flano Day. Yeah, so do I. I really appreciate your time this morning. Thanks so much for being with us. This is Rural Queensland Today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. Lyndall DeMarco joining us this morning from St John's Ambulance. She's the General Manager of Ophthalmology. And um, St John's IVAN was founded in 2013. The Indigenous Diabetes and Screenings Van is Australia's first mobile treatment facility to combat avoidable blindness in remote and vulnerable communities. Lyndall, good morning and thank you so much for being with us. Good morning, Ben. I'm happy to be here. What a wonderful, wonderful thing and probably uh, something we don't raise awareness about, the the St John's Ivan, just how special that this is and and what what an awesome um, thing that they are doing. You know, the van worked initially with First Nations people with diabetes. Now the service has been expanded to other residents um, and to all of reg- the region. So it's a very, very important thing. Yes. Um, the, the the biggest problem in uh, Queensland and Australia is access to specialist treatment. And um, so really if if you live in the bush... Um, it's really difficult to have have any type of specialist treatment, and that's why the van um, is successful um, because we go where nobody else can go. Yeah, unbelievable. Um, y- y- you certainly do, and, and it's very in Queensland alone. Um, more than thirty five, um, you know volunteers have worked in this van who are ophthalmologists, optometrists, um, that regular visit Emerald, Mackay, Gladstone, Mount Isa, Charleville, Sherberg, Dolby. They go to places um, where eye surgeons probably don't work at different stages but where there is accessibility and where there is some vulnerable people. So that's the big thing about it. Uh, yes, it, it's really amazing that these ophthalmologists who leave their very comfortable uh, city practices and, uh, as I often say, work in a big caravan um, <laughs> helping helping people um, save their sight. Um, uh, it, it's really an, a, a, a very special thing that has happened and uh, the people who, who help are very special people. Yeah, no doubt about it. Um, they would be. Um, what, what's the what what what's what do we need to do? Like, it, it's great to raise it. How do we help and donate and and raise more awareness? Um, well, I think there is no uh, federal or state funding for specialist treatment 
in Australia. Um, I I can't understand that. The government provides money for primary care. Um, I think going blind is is primary care. Um, And so, uh, unfortunately, we need um, donations um, because it's the only way. Um, there are there are many people who have donated in different ways. People like Volvo, who donate the prime mover. Um, um, but um, we do need money for um, op- operation, and um, it, I don't think it'll change. Ben, it, it has it has upset me in the last ten years um, that the government just doesn't think that it's important to close the distance gap for people who are going blind. I don't understand it. Um, people who are, you know, elderly people who have macular degeneration have to have an injection every month, otherwise they go blind. Um, Aboriginal people who have got diabetic retinopathy, uh, if they don't have an, an injection at least every two months, they go blind too. So um, I suppose there isn't any point in saying anything to the government because I don't believe they'll ever change their mind. But if people feel that this is a really worthwhile endeavour, we do need their donations. Yeah, I I think 100%. If you haven't got your sight, you've got nothing. And it's a a flow-on effect. Um, and yeah. this is something that is so important and something that in rural and regional Australia that we just, because the services are deemed, you know, like, oh, they're, they're insufficient. We're having to bring other people there. And these are the kind of things uh, like the St John's Ambulance um, IVAN, uh, just that, that if we don't have that, what happens? This is the big thing. What happens to the people of rural and regional Australia if we don't have these things? Exactly. And Ben, do you know that that we have treated over eight thousand people since it began? Eight thousand people whose sight has been saved because this nineteen meter um, facility has travelled, and it has travelled over uh, seven hundred and fifty thousand kilometres um, around Queensland and even Victoria. Um, uh, saving people's sight, um, so it's it's special, but it, it's also necessary. Um, but as you said, what do people do if they can't see? Yeah, it's uh, it's unbelievable. You, you, you're dead right. You know, yeah. one in three and, people and you, one in three people experience vision loss um, when they get diagnosed with diabetes, which is ninety four percent avoidable if detected and treated early. You know, you're like, exactly right. You know, like there. that 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 is. The, the stats are horrifying. It's curable. Yes. 94% of if they're identified, it's curable and treatable when diagnosed okay. early. So why wouldn't why wouldn't we want to throw throw as much as we possibly can to make sure? And, you know, it was like in, you know, the, the ideas, man, now they'll add a third month to Emerald, they're returning to Bundaberg, and they're also using telehealth, so that's great. But God almighty, we're in such a mess with our health. God, we're in a mess with our health in this nation, so... Um, then you know you know what I say. I say that we live in a first world country, but we have third world health. 
in many places. Yeah. And uh, it, 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 is, it is really, um, I, it's unbelievable for me. Um, I'd never got involved in, in um, ophthalmology before this. Um, um, but um, it's, very, it, it's very sad. But if you can see the, the look on people's faces um, when they can see, um, by golly, it, uh, it's really game heartwarming. Changer. Yeah, game changer. Oh, it's, it's, it's amazing. I remember one, one lovely old man who's 94 in uh, uh, Emerald, and uh, he said that uh, he used to have to drive five hours to get his um, his injections in his eyes, but he said I've got a problem now because my wife's eighty seven, and her her eyes are going, and now you've come along, and now I can see properly. Unbelievable! So, yeah. Unbelievable! Really it's appreciate your time this morning. Really appreciate Thank your time you. this morning. Thank you so much for being with us. Thanks, Ben. Yeah, great flag. Uh, Lyndall DeMarco, um, St John's Ambulance General Manager. We'll take a break, come back, Rural Queensland today. Welcome back to Rural Queensland today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. You're with Ben Dobbin. A very good morning to everybody. Uh, Professor James St John joins us this morning from Griffiths University. And I talked about last week what a special day last Wednesday was uh, with the money that we were raising for the Perry Cross Spinal Research Foundation. And... The big story around that is that the work that is going on at Griffith University to try and make a game changer happen. And this is where their spinal injury project is designing some unbelievable work in the sense that we believe that one day we will get a cure to this. Well, Professor James St. John joins us this morning. James, good morning and thank you so much for being with us. Um, it certainly was a very, very special day uh, last week with the Premier donating uh, $2 million and in excess of um, $2.624 million being raised at the City Country Raising Bucks event at the ECA. And it's going to go a long way to getting the funding for this research that you are all working towards. Yeah, good morning, Ben. It was a fantastic day last week. It was it was so exciting to have the Premier there and make that an announcement. And we're... Very grateful to the Queensland government. Um, the good news is that they've been long supporters of our research. The Motor Accident Insurance Commission has supported the research that's got us to this point. So now we are so close to getting this trial going. It's, it's fantastic for the community. So it's a live trial. Just to, and, and talk to people listening to us today. Um, the, the reason the lunch was run off the back of the, the Kerr family, Marcus and Shelley, um, it was their daughter, Georgia, who suffered a rare spinal bleed in August 2021. Um, and it is now unknown whether or not she will walk again. That's the, been the big story. And and from there, we raised money. But I've been working with the Pericross Spinal Research for a long, long time. And you guys have been at this for an awful long time. Talk to us about yeah. this, this uh, live trial that you are working towards. Yeah, so the trial we're going to be starting hopefully next year, um, is we're going to have uh, 20, 20 people uh, who've got spinal cord injury uh, recruited for the trial. Uh, and it's a cell transplantation trial. It's pretty safe in the sense of we're using the patient's own cells. Yeah. Uh, we take them from inside the nose. There's very specialised cells that we can harvest from in there, purify them, uh, do our magic when it comes to making them into a nerve bridge. 
which is then transplanted back into the spinal cord. Um, and once they're in the spinal cord, they can then do, you know, they make a bridge um, across the injury site, which helps the nerve cells that are already in, the, in that spinal cord to regenerate and make new connections. Um, but to do that properly, it's like getting a baby to walk and talk over years. It takes a long time. So we have to have intensive rehabilitation uh, that goes for about 12 months. Um, and hopefully we'll see some uh, good results, some efficacy, some improvements in motor, sensory and autonomic, which is bowel and bladder function. Um, so we're, we're excited to be at this stage that we can test this in humans. Um, it's got a long history of, of research. You know, yeah, you, you, you guys wouldn't yeah. be going down this road if you didn't think it could work. I mean that, James, no, and I right. say that. like I, I mean, the, it, you, it, it, there's a lot of different ways... And I, I understand the caution when you guys are making statements because you don't know what you, we just don't know. But you've worked a long time at this, and this could be a complete game changer for everybody. Um, and it's not just it's just for anybody. But once you once you try to get the spinal cord to regenerate and to grow, is it real and valid that people? you know, potentially, and I'm crystal balling here and there's a lot of anomalies that have got to come in with it, that they could potentially, you could get people walking again. Is that the, is that that's, the goal? That's the ultimate dream. Um, and we can certainly achieve that in our animal studies, but it's, it's harder in humans. We, we're, we're being conservative in our expectations. If we can get a 10 to 20% improvement in function, we'll be very happy. Um, and we've asked the people with spinal cord injury, you know, whether they think that would be enough um, compared to what they have now. Yeah, I think it would be a great start. What does that mean? If someone can move their finger again, if they can't move their fingers at all and they can move their finger, that means that they can feed themselves or button up their shirts or something. Or it might mean they can go to the toilet by themselves. Yeah. Um, but ultimately, yeah, sure. And we want feeling back too. Don't forget, it's not just about moving, it's feeling. If people can feel someone touching them, that's really important too. Um, he can't walk without being able to feel the ground either. So, um, yeah, but ultimately, if we're lucky, um, you know, we might just get those right pathways reconnected within the spinal cord, um, and people could you know, regain considerable movement. Um, there's been a study in Poland uh, using the same cells but different approach, uh, where a person was able to get their legs moving again, not enough to walk on their own, but getting close. So that's what we're trying to build upon and make it better. I, I think that's awesome. I, I, I'm I'm all for you guys trying to get this, and I think it's it's imperative that we continue this kind of work. Um, once that starts, and and how do you select the twenty people? How how are those selected? Yeah, that's a fantastic question. We get this asked all the time. In fact, we get asked by people all around the world wanting to be on this trial because we're trying to get the the um, excitement going. Um, but in for this first trial, we're going to have people from southeast Queensland, northern New South Wales yep. because they have to get there's a rehabilitation um, yep. which is going to be uh, available here and we have a range of selection criteria, it's going to be people who are at least six months after injury yep. um, and there's no upper upper limit in that how long because we don't know which injury is going to respond, that's often a question we get, how long after injury can I be eligible well we say everyone at this point um 
and it's just to make sure that there's no risks of other 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 complications. So the clinicians will look at their their histories and make sure that they are you know, good candidates for that trial. But pretty much that's it. Six months after injury, and living close to southeast Queensland. Oh, I, I think that's phenomenal. Um, for a young girl like Georgia who suffered a rare spinal bleed, mm. these kind of studies are imperative, aren't they? Because it's not actually, you know, a snapping of the spinal cord, and mm. and and so it's a little bit different, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, that's right. It's complicated. It's sort of like having a stroke, um, and you know, the the but the cell mechanisms are similar. Um, you know, after an injury or any type of injury, a lot of the nerve cells within the spinal cord die off, um, and that's what causes you, know, then you get scarring and you don't get reconnections because of the scar. So our our cell transplantation approach is designed to create a bridge across that injury site uh, from the healthy bits of the spinal cord above and below the injury site. So it is possible for us to you know treat different types of spinal cord injuries, and that's what we. Um, aim to, to be able to achieve and that's what our team's worked on. How can we make this therapy apply to a wider range of injury types? And that's where it gets very exciting. Our, our team has a, has a real buzz of excitement because of what we can do. Um, it, it, it's amazing. I mean, we've got very smart people there. I get, we, yeah, we think it's normal what we do, but when we stand back and look at oh, it, it's, it's pretty, pretty exciting. R- ridiculous. Yeah. How long yeah. do we see this? So it, it starts next year, um, yep. and people can donate. And Perry Gross has done an amazing thing, and this means people. Have, how long till we can it, it actually takes place? Because it will happen now. It definitely will. Yeah. Happen. So now we've got this Queensland government commitment. You know, we're very close to getting the total amount. We still need quite a bit more, but uh, we've got the confidence that we are putting all the ethics applications in now. Um, and so once we get the the final funding coming through from hopefully different sources or donations, um, we can then start the trial. Our intention is to start the trial next year. Um, realistically, it probably means you know, we have to recruit people and interview people and check them. It takes a while. But, yeah, let's say early to mid-next year, we'll have that have the trial started. Yeah. Um, it goes for about a year after that. Fantastic. Yeah. And then, then beyond that, this is just the first trial. Beyond this one will be a second trial, what's called a Phase 2 uh, trial, which has multiple sites possibly around Australia. Um, and then beyond that, it'll be international studies with different countries involved in it. So it gets bigger and bigger as we go along. Yeah, unreal. Hey, really appreciate your time this morning. Thank you so much for being with us. It was a fantastic day, and I'm just so impressed with what Griffith University is doing, um, along with the Perry Cross Spinal Research Foundation. Uh, Griffith well, thanks University. for being there on Wednesday. Ben, you did a fantastic job hosting it, and it was a great day. What a great day it was. Professor James and John, thank you so much for being with us this morning. Thanks, Ben. Good on you. We'll take a break, come back. This is Rural Queensland Today. You're with Ben Dolvin on the Resonate Broadcast Network. Well, that's it for Monday, the 21st of August. My name is Nick, and this was the best of RQT, Rural Queensland Today. Uh, Ben Dobbin, our usual host, off sick, but he'll be back tomorrow. So wherever you're listening, please tune in tomorrow from 9 o'clock. Whatever you're doing today, have a great day, have a safe day, and looking forward to your company tomorrow.